This is episode number 89 on The Herpreneur Show. Today we have Karen Jacobson, also known as The GPS Girl. Welcome to The Herpreneur Show, where we talk women, business, life. I am your host, Annette Lakovich. I'm an entrepreneur, businesswoman, mum, and I'm a fitness fanatic who loves to dance. What I also love to do is help you reach your fullest potential in business, health, and happiness. Join me as I bring you life-changing interviews, world-class education that helps you continue to up-level your next stage in greatness. It's your time to shine. Let's do it. You're going to hear in my voice today on this interview how astounded I was about the caliber of Karen Jacobson. This woman is incredible. My team came across her and when I looked at the research of this woman, it is mind-blowing. This lady is not just known as the GPS girl, the lady's voice that you hear on the GPS. She was also the first Australian Siri on smartphone, but that does not even touch the surface of the expertise that Karen brings to the table. She's a performer, she's a singer, she's actually known around the countryside and actually globally to sing national anthems. This lady is hands down one heck of an act. A little bit more about Karen Jacobson coming up. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling so much electricity in the air, so much energy at the moment, just so much motivation. And I tell you what, I've never been more fulfilled as I have the past month. We have had our first ladies only members go through our convert club. The first five weeks is what we call the sales intensive, which normally it's like a mixed group of business owners. But I don't know if you remember, but Peter and I did our first ladies only convert event because we did a collaboration with a ladies networking group over in Perth. From there, I decided, why don't we have our female-only sales accelerator program and put these ladies through the start of Convert Club, this sales intensive with just women only. So it's been so great just, you know, I love training the men, but I tell you what, it's just nothing more rewarding than watching these women step into their power, learn how to craft their words. So when they're selling, they're so confident. And I tell you what, the stuff that these ladies are creating using these frameworks it is like they're untouchable. They're just, this stuff just separates them from their marketplace. And I tell you what, I just want to keep doing this ladies only stuff. So we might keep this as a regular thing. Now, speaking of Convert Club, the Herpreneur Show is brought to you by Convert Club. If you are wanting some help with how you deliver your sales process at the moment, if you've got leads and you know that you're losing them from not actually being able to convert them from social media or from email to get them actually on the phone to have a conversation, then reach out to me and we can chat through it and find out if it's a match for you. Now, have you been listening to the Herpreneur Show and not sent us a review? Because if you're sitting on the sidelines, let me tell you, girlfriend, now is the time to put a review. Why? Because we have our beautiful white Shirovsky crystal herpreneur pens. They are in. It's a stylus pen. So if you actually use an iPad or if you need a stylus pen for your phone, your smartphone, then it doubles up as that. But I tell you what, they're absolutely stunning. And all you need to do is write a review on however you actually listen to the show. Then send it to us and say, hey, Annette, this is my review. And please send me my herpreneur pen. And guess what? We're going to send it out to you. A nice little surprise 
surprise gift in the mail for us to say thank you. And you know what? We just don't get much exciting mail anymore, do we? So it's so nice to get that letterbox and actually have this beautiful pen with a thank you note personally written by me. But that's my way of saying thank you to you. So if you have written a review, please let us know and send us your mailing address so we can send you your pen. Now on to the lady of the hour. At the age of seven in a small town of Australia, Karen Jacobson saw Olivia Newton-John on television and she knew right then and there that she wanted her life. She wanted to become a professional singer and so she did. She moved to America. Following her dreams, Karen moved to New York City with one suitcase and became an award-winning singer and songwriter. In her musical career highlights, including the sharing the stage with the beautiful Nora Jones and also singing the national anthem at the major sporting event, Madison Square Garden. When you go onto her website, you actually see all the national anthems that she has sung around the globe with eight crowds of 80,000 people there watching her. We actually have a conversation about that today as well. Now, unexpectedly, it was her speaking voice that has brought a unique pop culture status to Karen Jacobson. Karen Jacobson is now heard in over a billion GPSs and smartphone devices around the world. And no doubt she's probably given you directions in your car as well. Karen is an international speaker, a concert performer, a TEDx speaker, a global artist in the residence of High Point University. And she has been seen in media all over the world, such as NBC Today, ABC, World News Tonight, CBS, The Daily News Show, <laughs> you may name it, Glamour Magazine, People Magazine. I tell you what, when she came across my desk, I was so proud of my team to actually find her because she is one talented woman. Let me introduce you to Karen Jacobson. Karen, I would love to know where in this beautiful country of Australia are you today? <laughs> I am in the Whit Sunday region. And what you need to know is I'm right near the Great Barrier Reef, the heart of the Great Barrier Reef, uh, just near Airlie Beach, right in that region, uh, near Hamilton Island, Hayman Island, Daydream Island. That is where I am right now. And my husband and I decided if we were going to be displaced from our home in New York City, we would do that in paradise. Thank you very much. Oh, yes. Well, I tell you what, that background right now is absolutely stunning and it does look like the Whit Sundays. It's, it's real. <laughs> My, yeah, it's a real background. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> I love that. Now, Karen, you have such an incredible story. People know you as Siri around the world, but before that you have an incredible, like just your career. I would love just to talk about the evolution of Karen Jacobson. Can we even go back to when you're a girl? Because I know that you're a singer, you're a performer, you do absolutely everything. Can you take us back, like, the evolution of even where you've come from as a young little Karen? Absolutely. I'm from a town called Mackay and, I mean, I'm still coming to terms with the fact that that is, like, an hour and a half down the road from where I am right now. It's wild. But I'm from Mackay in North Queensland and growing up at the age of seven, I was watching the telly. And on came the most important person in the entire world, Olivia Newton-John. Oh, yes. <laughs> when I saw her on TV, I, I just knew what I wanted to do with my life. She was my inspiration. So I was seven years old and I, I just saw her, this blonde Australian singer mm. who'd gone to America and everybody loved her. And I just, I just wanted to be 
just like her, become a professional singer and move to America. So she really uh, inspired me to pursue this career path. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea how. I didn't have any connections in the industry. My last name is Jacobson, but I'm not related to any famous Jacobsons. (laughs) And I just kept following my nose, I suppose. I mean, I just, I really had this strong sense, this inner GPS, I like to call it, which was telling me that somebody has to grow up and be a professional singer. Why not me? And did you sing back then? Were you having singing lessons at that stage? I was having piano lessons and singing and I was auditioning and being in the school musical and piano contests and singing performances in the Steadford. So tons and tons of singing and choir singing and I I couldn't get enough of music. And then at what stage did you start to perform on stage? When was that when you started to go getting paid for it, when it started to be more of a career? Well, I, I had my first live performance on stage when I was five. That wasn't paid, but I, uh, I then wrote my first song at seven. This was really an innate part of my being. And when I moved to Brisbane, I was uh, I just turned 17, finished high school, and I went to Brisbane and I started studying at the Queensland Conservatorium of Music. And I met actual professional musicians who were also music students but were making money. Right. And it was through those uh, other students I started to make connections and then was booked for my first jingle singing job and piano bar job. And I found myself really in a very natural way starting to make money out of music Wow! from 17, 18, 19. So I, was, I feel like I was really guided through those years. Unbelievable. And so was there music in your parents, Jean? Where did it actually come from back then? Or was it just really just watching music videos and <laughs> like Countdown, watching yeah. Countdown? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, my, my mother had taken piano lessons when she was pregnant with me and there was a piano in our home mm-hmm. and after I was born, she would take me to the piano lessons and I'd be in the bassinet sitting on the floor next to the piano. But it was very kind of, you know, not quite simple beginner kind of piano. My mother wasn't a concert pianist, but she loved music and took piano lessons. My dad will tell you he's tone deaf, that somewhere in the back of our Danish history there might be a Norwegian great-great-great-grandparent of some kind who sang opera. But Really, it's a, I'm a bit of an anomaly. I'm the only person in my immediate family who's pursued music. Mm. And so you, you've performed all over the world, yeah? Yes. And what are the main gigs that you get called upon, get called for to do? What is the stuff? Because I know you do public speaking as well, like you host events, you're an MC. Take it yeah. down that pathway. Well, pre 2020, uh, the majority of my bookings uh, would have been as a motivational speaker, opening and closing uh, conferences and events, national and international live events, mm-hmm. also as a concert performer. I've been, I've been booked to sing the national anthem at very large sporting events, both in the United States and in Australia, and voiceover work. Mm. So I am still... Fortunately, now in this 2020 era, I have my own home studio set up. And similarly, that you and I can be together 
from the magic of technology today, I can record my voiceovers for clients internationally and send them send them straight back. So that's really fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I live on stage as a concert performer and as a motivational speaker is my really my favourite office space. Yeah, because you're also known as the national anthem person as well. <laughs> right. Uh, you see on your website you you do the American national anthem, you've done the Australian one. Like, was was there ever a fear of public speaking? Was there ever a fear of performance in large crowds? Or do you feel like you that was just a natural thing that you just... <laughs> and then you hit the nail on the head. Sorry to interrupt you. But, yeah, from a very young age, whenever I had to perform, I was terrified. I wow. had chronic anxiety. I mean, abdominal pains that were so bad that I would be home from school for a week at a time. Who would have known? And, well, oh my God. It, was, it was really confusing because here I was knowing I loved to sing. I, being on the stage was like being home for me. Mm. But my body was sending these very confusing signals that it wasn't safe to be there. Wow. And it took a long time. It took a long time for me to to overcome those uh, that anxiety and to to get to I suppose uh, acquire tools mm-hmm. so that I could manage that mm. really quite debilitating anxiety but when I was as at school I would be home from school for up to a week at a time they'd send me for every test imaginable and find nothing wrong with me mm. they'd say oh it's just nerves <laughs> but as anybody who's ever lived and breathed as a human being would know fear is real. It feels real. Absolutely. It isn't real, but it feels real. I so that was definitely wood. my way. Yeah. Touch wood. I, I feel like I was born for the stage, wanted to perform in front of anyone and everyone. And to this day, touch wood, I haven't got any wood, still glass, <laughs> but I've only felt nerves and I mean really strong nerves. Like sometimes you get nervous because you want the presentation to go rude, but like that debilitating stuff. I only felt it once yes. ever. And it was really weird because I was doing an Australian tour and it was like the third state. So it was like I'd already done it so many times. And that just creeped in and I was like, just jumped up and down the back of the stage trying to get out of my body. Move and I was like, room. oh, I was like, yeah, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> At least, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's just, um, yeah, something that I've never had to deal with and I feel very sorry for the people that have to move through it and today now you're doing what you're doing how did you get into the public speaking with the motivational stuff is that some of the the work that you had to do on yourself first like how did you actually get into the motivational speaking yeah so so you know to add just to the last um, topic of anxiety because I, I have something to share that I think could be really helpful for anyone who has that show up and then that does actually relate then to how I moved into the motivational speaking uh, world. But what I did learn when I was moving to New York and I was studying with a teacher called Kerry Bedell, one of Australia's finest singers, and I learned that the value of 50 rehearsals had the same value as performing once. So you practice something 50 times, it's got the same value as doing it for real once. Yes. So when I was moving to New York, I set out, I was like, well, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I was 31. I had some tools, but that anxiety still had me and I didn't have it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. 
And so I set out to get on stage as often as I could for money, for no money, on someone else's stage as a guest artist, um, concerts in my own right, like any chance I could, thinking mm -hmm. that if I could be on stage frequently and there was a short period of time between every performance, I wouldn't actually have time to get nervous because wow. I would be so in the throes of that performing space, being performance ready. Yes. There wouldn't be any room for anxiety and you know what? It worked. And to anyone listening who has ever had that uh, or is, you know, at some part of their entrepreneurial journey where there's a concern about what others are going to think or judge or mm -hmm. how they will react, I say you, it's really centre yourself and take some deep breaths and just really get connected to why you're doing what you're doing mm. and then just keep taking that inspired action. Mm, love that. And I even love hearing the cocky in the background. I, yes, I was going to say I hope the North Queensland birds are okay on this. <laughs> it was a beautiful crescendo at the end <laughs> with the bird just to seal that point. Um, how did you build your speaking career? Let's go there first because we've got female entrepreneurs on there and, you know, you built an incredible career over in America, in the States, what were some of the things that you think you did that were real pivotal decisions or steps that you did to get to really the level that you are at now? I know that all of my music performance uh, helped tremendously. So to begin speaking professionally in my, you know, late 30s, early 40s, I already had a lot of stage time. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge uh, plus. However, there was something very different about hopping on stage and sharing my own personal story and bold truths and overcoming challenges in my own life, whether it be anxiety or financial disaster and, or any, any manner of challenges. Sharing in that personal way was like another whole hurdle of anxiety <laughs> to overcome. Mm -hmm. But how it, how it developed is my, I went to an audition, I got a voiceover job which I recorded for 50 hours, and that voiceover job then led to my voice now ending up in over a billion devices uh, around the world, oh. GPS, smartphones, elevators, cruise ships, software applications, telling people where to go and what to do while I'm here with you, Annette. Yeah. And it was from that uh, particular voice system that I started to realise there was something more, there was a message to share. Wow. So Siri came first. You as Siri was before you doing the motivational speaking. It was it, it was interesting because it was actually pre-Siri, so it was when my voice popped into GPS devices. Oh. So in those standalone GPSs. Yes. So oh, God. I am Australian Karen, which is the name in those devices, and it was me, Karen. <laughs> Australian Karen was my voice in all of those, G many of those GPSs. And when people would learn that it was me navigating them around, mm. they would get, people could get very excited about that and want to share with me all of their stories of the amazing trips we'd taken together. And as that became a little bit more known, people then started to invite me to speak and share my story. How did my voice get into all these devices? Yes. How did I get to America? Mm. What how did I build my career? So it was natural from that initial voice system where when I started to receive speaking, uh, professional speaking invitations. But it was along that, in that period of time where I started to realise, hang on a minute, 
there's more to this. Uh, there's a brand to create. And I made this connection between directions in the car and directions in life and business and that you could recalculate at any time in life, just like we could when we're driving our car. Mm -hmm. And that is where the beginning of the brand and the motivational speaking really started to, okay. to connect. Great. We definitely want to go down that path as well a bit more. Um, pardon the pun. Everything seems like a pun now. Yes, <laughs> I'd love to go back to that with being the GPS voice that we hear everywhere now. Do you get royalties from that? Like how does that work? Was it just a one-off gig? You said it was 50 hours. Like what? just take us to the back end of that business side of things, how it works for you. I'm sorry, Annette, I'm not authorised to answer that question. <laughs> I, you know what? I totally, totally respect that. <laughs> well, uh, what I will say is if I was receiving royalties, we would be on my private island right now having this interview. <laughs> on your, yes, within the yacht, filming from the project. That's right. That's right. I love that. So let's talk about um, you navigating now with teaching navigation and you have a five-step process in helping people really make powerful changes in their life. Can you take us through and give us a bit of an insight or a snapshot of that? I can, I can. So the five directions for recalculating, this is a process you can use anytime when things are major in an uncertain space like we're in right now in the world or in very small ways when things shift or don't go the way we expect on a daily basis. So the first direction for recalculating is to notice you are off route, simply to notice mm. that things are awry in some way. The second direction is to be willing to change direction, to be willing to do things a little bit differently. And that might sound all very straightforward, but as human beings, we aren't always embracing of, uh, we aren't always willing. Mm. You know, sometimes we, we think we are, we think we're open. Yeah. And we figure out, actually, no, we're really attached and fixed. <laughs> so it's being willing to change direction. The third direction for recalculating is to clarify your destination. So once you've seen that, hang on a minute, this isn't going the way I thought I wanted it to go, and I'm willing to take a look mm -hmm. and try something else, now you look at where you thought you were headed because that's, that new information may have come to light. And you might discover that's not the destination after all mm -hmm. or that you, you're still headed there but it's on a detour. Mm-hmm. And the, the fifth, fourth direction. Oh, the fourth. Sorry, we have to the fourth. Sorry, that was the was that uh, two more. The fourth direction for recalculating is to embrace steering wheel, and what that means is to, it's really moving ourselves from the passenger seat to the driver's seat, kind of putting our hands on the steering wheel and geeing ourselves up, getting ourselves ready to go for it. Mm. And the fifth direction, the final direction for recalculating, is to accelerate. This is about action. Ideas are wonderful. Brainstorming is fantastic. Thinking about things is wonderful. But where it's really at is action. Mm. And I'm not talking about doing. I'm actually talking about inspired action. That once you've gone through this process and had some insights for yourself about how you're going about things and where you thought you were headed, where you want to be headed, now make some new decisions or some new choices. At that point, we're 
frequently actually quite jeered up. Mm. We're like, oh, my goodness, I feel so much better than when I was feeling like I was stuck or heading down the wrong path. And naturally, um, actions become clear. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean about accelerate is taking actions. And it might only be something small, yes. calling somebody, sending a note, researching something, mm-hmm. but just to take action toward that destination of where you really want to be headed. Mm. I think those learnings would be um, extremely important right now, what's going on in oh. the world. Um and we can apply it obviously to everyday life. Have you has your speaking gigs gone up online with this type of information to really help people sort of get out of the the, the situation they are and take charge to be able to make that pivot or to make that turn or to make those choices? Yeah, I've done a lot of virtual presentations. Unfortunately, in North Queensland, we're able to do in person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, small in-person events as well, but I've done internationally quite a lot of virtual events because this, the whole world is recalculating and, and these tools are, are really practical universal tools for many kinds of situations. Mm. And what is it now that you say to people what to do, what to focus on right now? With all the credibility that you have in the back pocket all the information you know it's about them redirecting re-navigating making change what are some things that you actually help people with at the moment if you had a message right now for someone that is a little bit stuck and they need recalculating what would it be that would help well them? yeah oh oh i can talk on and on about that so first of all the message i'd like anyone listening right now to come away with if they don't remember anything else is that it is never too late to recalculate it's really never too late it might seem like it even when things are dire but it's never too late to recalculate, to take another step, to look at things differently, to sleep on it and wake up and make a, take, make a different plan. Mm. But what I would say is that if you are not already fully, completely engaged in day-to-day activity and actions toward your ideal dream life and situation, if you're not already fully engaged in that, yeah. there has never been a better time to be doing that fantastic absolutely embrace it right embrace the the ability to pause and to redirect and recalculate every yeah well everything is up for grabs right Mm. now i think we are going to see uh shifts and adjustments in our major international financial government political mm. societal systems un- unfathomably we we don't even know what that's going to look like but it's going to shift in a big way and while that's happening how about we all get ourselves engaged in what it is we know we're on the planet to do and if we don't know yet just start that inquiry mm. i mean it that's that's all mm. you know start that inquiry yeah do you imagine People should do this through writing, through yes, yeah, just through a writing process. So going through those five step process. I think that's one way of going about it. Look, there are different uh, access points to to become really clear and aligned with why we're on the planet. Mm-hmm. And for me, music was that, mm-hmm. and is that. But from a very young age, it was clear to me that music was my. Uh, expression 
Mm-hmm. And it was so innate and so natural. And I went with it and it just drove me. It like it came through me. Yeah. I wasn't even looking for it. It was just clear to me. But at a certain point, the message then came as well. It's like, oh, actually now I'm zooming out to a satellite view. I'm here to make a difference through music and message. Mm. And so it, it can it can morph over time. Uh, but I think that often I hear people say, well, it's too late for me. I really don't know. People talk about mission and purpose and I don't have one. I really believe everyone does. And it's not necessarily about having a hit TV show or being on stages all over the world. That's Mm -hmm. not what is the design for every human being on the planet. Your mission can be something so, uh, so close and in your immediate um, existence Mm. and not ever have you get on a plane or you know, do be in a sequin gown. I mean, it's not about that. It's about what for you is the full expression of why you're here. Mm. And it could be loving your family. It could be making a difference in the corporate job you already have. Yeah. But I know we're talking entrepreneurial, entrepreneurially here. And whatever you're here uh, and feeling called to do, mm. just step into it and know that there if you're called I believe if you're called to do it and that's clear yeah there you're that's the path yeah they're the clues to follow Mm, so powerful it's so true Karen I'm just going to pause just for a second I just want to make sure are you the Siri voice and the GPS or have I got that mixed up in my notes no I am the I am in the Garmin the Navman the Mio like a whole bunch of Brands of GPS, both standalone and in custom in built-in systems in vehicles. Yes, yeah. I am also the original Australian voice of Siri in a billion iPhones around the world. Yes. My voice is also in Google Maps in a bunch of countries, and then it's in the voice accessibility function in all mobile phones everywhere around the world. So, But sometimes people will call it Siri or the GPS voice or whatever they call it as more of a generic thing. Yes. And, and yes, I'm the original Australian voice of Siri. You haven't got anything. I was like, oh, I got that wrong. Um, So talking about what you're saying about being here for a bigger purpose and expanding your existence, what I found just so blown away was the voice that I hear on my phone is actually a real person, the person that's giving directions. And then when I research you, and it was the team that brought you to me, I was I was blown away to see this depth of this incredible human being that you are. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about the existence and expansion and being here for a purpose, um, I was honestly just so I don't think I've ever been that blown away by just knowing someone's career path because I really honestly thought it was a digital, I thought it was a digital thing. I didn't know. You mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that, so it sounds to me like for you it was like here was a robot who actually is, a spiritual human being, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a vastly different, that's a big gap. And then and then to see this amazing 
career that you have built with your voice, singing, performing, moving people on the stage, like just, and just when you're talking about, you know, really you can recalculate anyway direction that you want just really tap into your purpose I just want to say how moved I was to really learn more about you and just wanted mm. to really bring that um forward so I mean I've, I've interviewed incredible incredible women and just you know just to have that link it's like wow here is an incredible woman and she's on every device around the world giving directions <laughs> isn't it wild it's <laughs> wild it is so wild what was the recording moment like for you because when I interview people that record books and they do these audibles and they're hours and hours in a studio and I just hear how hard it is to do a book recording when it's your own book that you've written right what was that whole process like for you in the recording studio well, I would just ask anyone listening right now to, to think back if they've ever recorded their voicemail message. And you know how you record your voicemail message? <laughs> and then you, you listen back and you go, oh, my God, is that me? And then you, then you do it again and then you fluff it up and then you do it again and you do it again and then you're like, oh. And then you just let the generic thing happen now. You don't even worry about your voicemail message. Well, when I first started doing voiceover, it was really weird to hear my own voice back. Mm-hmm. But over time, I became comfortable with it. And, and you, be, you do, you become comfortable with it. It becomes a profession. And then going into a voice uh, job like that, which was the biggest recording job I'd done, yeah. was 50 hours of recording, four hours a day over three weeks. And they no more than four hours a day because they didn't want my voice to sound tired or fatigued in any way. And, you know, the script was like a phone book. It was massive. And they wanted to capture every combination of syllables possible so they could chop it up and create a voice system based on my speaking voice. So there were moments where you just, you, the producer and I were in the booth together and and I think at one point I had to say the word approximately, approximately 168 times in a row. So it was like, in approximately 10 metres, in approximately 20 metres, in approximately 100 metres, in approximately 2,000 metres. And after 160, I counted them afterwards because I was like, my brain is going like jelly right now. (laughs) And I had to... in my next book. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, so yeah, there were some very funny moments. But, uh, but, you know, this is is how it is recording Mm. a voice system. You kind of get in the zone Mm. and... And one at a time, mm. deliver the line. How do you think that's played a role in you today with persistence or how you show up and, you know, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, the light's always you. Like, how has that played a role in that? <laughs> light is always you. I love that line. <laughs> oh, God. But, like, how has that played? Because that would have been sheer just what p- teaching you perfection, teaching you not perfection, teaching you grit, like what? the learnings from that that you felt as an evolution of your little soul to get through that you know I I really I love excellence and I I've I really like um what do they call it when it's a meet like immediate satisfaction what do they call that it's like um there's another instant gratification that's it 
instant gratification really works for me. And so I've loved voiceover from that perspective because all the years I've done it, the majority of jobs, you're booked for an hour. You go you used to go in person to the studio. They give you the script. I read and comprehend very quickly and mm-hmm. um, accurately. Mm-hmm. And that came from being a voracious reader as a child who knew that that was going to prepare me for reading really complicated scripts at times and medical terms and all kinds of interesting things over the years. So you go in, you record the script, you're out of there in an hour and you get paid and off that goes and and, and is out into the radio and television mm. commercial land. So I've loved that aspect of it. But over time, doing larger and longer uh, voice systems, there's I, I think I would describe it as that, that experience of being in the zone where I can um, accomplish something at a high level quickly, mm-hmm. you know, have, have that script and then accurately um, and with, you know, they wanted the voice to sound calm and consistent. So to maintain a calmness and a consistency with my voice through all of that recording there's a challenge to that that for me was very satisfying Mm. did you have to have voice coaching um articulation lessons like was there anything there or you just straight out of the gate and go okay now become a bit out of the gate i i think that but when i look back it was being a voracious reader comprehending very quickly Mm -hmm. as a singer i was someone you know i was as a as a as a little girl i was very very uh, good. I tried to do things the right way. You know, I really um, liked everything to be as good and as perfect as I could make it when I was, you know, doing a school exam or preparing for something. Mm -hmm. And I think that out of that um, desire to do things right, my articulation uh, developed in a way that made it really uh, clear. Mm-hmm. And so I haven't ever had those kinds of elocution lessons. Mm. And I always felt when I was singing a song, it was very important. Oh, of course. The, the words were able to be understood because yeah. I, the, the words are so vital yes. to conveying the emotion in a song. That's so I would. The articulation and the energy, right? That's, that's right. And oh, so oh. often. I will hear hear a song, even, you know, it's all ha- happened to all of us where we'll hear a song and we've known it for years on the radio or however people listen to music these days and you figure out that there was a, a lyric that had nothing to do with the lyric you thought it was. You didn't ever understand the word. And I didn't want that to happen with mm. my performing. I wanted to make sure people could hear yes. the, the song and the lyric. Um, before I go into my last final couple of questions, I do want to find out, like, if, if everyone's listening, they're like, I want to know more about you, if they want to follow you, where's the best place to send them? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring out that whole social media game. You know, they say, choose one, choose one and make that one fly and then add another one. Yes, I did all of that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm on Facebook. <laughs> Please come and visit me um, at the GP at the GPS call. No, at Real Karen Jacobson on Facebook. Yes, and on Insta at Real Karen J, and I think on Twitter at Real Karen J, and then on something else I'm at the GPS call. Anyway, I'm I'm everywhere and all of those things. Come say hi on LinkedIn, on YouTube. I've got tons of videos and all of yes. those things. But I have a 
I have a Patreon site, so that's my my latest uh, project this year where it's a community where people can really come mm-hmm. and get much closer uh, contact behind the scenes uh, and, you know, songs I'm writing kind of in the moment week to week, and I, I love connecting with my Patreon community. So at the gpsgirl.com. I know I just shared everything, but yeah. the, it, all those places. So we'll have we'll have all of the links there. Um, and I think I'd love for everyone just to see you sing just just your incredible stage presence. Hey, let me ask you this. Do you get nervous? Because I think this, like, if I was to sing on stage, I rap on stage because that's when I probably would feel the nerves if I was to sing. I can sing okay, but I'm not an incredible singer. Though I think if if I really wanted to feel the feeling of nerves, which I say yes. I get, because normally I'm on there speaking, but if I was to sing, I think I'd feel it. Do you get to stand out and to stand into the Olympic Games or the Commonwealth Games or to go over to America and to be at one of the incredible sporting events there and to sing the national anthem, what the heck are those nerves like? There would be nerves there, surely. To Definitely. That. that yeah, the... there's a lot of energy going on for those high-stakes presentations and, and appearances, a lot of energy uh, in the in the stands or in the audience, there's a lot of energy because of the attention on that particular event and the scope and the size. And then I think for myself, I'm at a certainly in, in the last however long, you know, maybe 10 years, I have shifted my focus and realised that if I am getting nervous, like crazy nervous, worry nervous, thinking about am I going to, is it going to be okay? Am I, you know, what? all of that swirl. I realise now that that means my focus is in the wrong place. Ah. The whole point of being on a stage, sharing a message, having a podcast, singing the national anthem. Well, here's my context for singing the national anthem at a major event. I'm representing my country. I, am the, I have the honour of representing my country to perform the national song. And my job is to represent everyone and share that moment with all all of the people there Mm -hmm. and have them have an experience of connection. So my job is to focus on their experience and not mine. Mm. Beautiful way to reframe it. Because you can imagine everyone, you walk out, here's Karen, Karen Jacobson singing the national anthem and then everyone's like, quiet, watching and waiting for that first note, like, oh, my gosh, the anticipation. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just incredible journey. Now, I would love to ask you a couple of questions just to finish up. And the first one is um, a piece of advice for the female who's just starting out in her career, really wants to, to go for it. She may be setting up a business, but she's just she's just in the trenches of change. And then the second question will be, for the lady that she's she's now got her career path or she's really got her business and she's ready to crank it up a new level. So a piece of advice from your own experience through those journeys, what would you like to say to them to really get them to tune in or to keep going? Oh, I love it. So if I was just thinking of myself when I was starting out, I look back and I wish I'd had a business coach mm-hmm. or a mastermind. 
Mm. And sometimes those resources can seem uh, out of reach when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. And if that's you, then do things like fill your mind and your, your reading and your listening with incredibly inspiring stories of others doing what you want to do like this resource of this of this interview series mm. you know really keep your focus on listening uh, observing listening and learning from people who've done what you want to do mm. and i think that that cannot be underestimated yeah. and surrounding yourself with with like-minded people and i mentioned masterminds you know finding a handful of people who you know who are also interested in being up to big things and they don't have to be in the same industry at all. They can be all over the place in terms of industry, but create a structure, meet once a week, once a month on on video chat, mm. have some structure to that and set some, some goals together and then support each other to, you know, ask for support and, and to share experiences. That would be, I think, so invaluable when starting out. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. You've got people that are around you that hold you to a higher standard, people that are also going for it just like you. And like yeah. you know, the emotional side of it as well, like they, you know, they're there to support through the heart and the, the you know, if you're in the startup, it is, you know, you've got that, <laughs> that roller coaster ride as well. Fantastic. Uh, piece of advice for the female, she's going for it. She's She knows what her worth is. She's ready to up-level, take it to the next piece of greatness in her life expansion or recalculate what would you say to her um what comes to mind when you say that is sometimes that kind of point means you've worked really hard for quite a while already mm. and i think it can be uh, there can be a misconception mis mis is that the word yes that that you have to work really really hard to take it up to the next level uh, but what I want to offer is that your quality of life is the place to up-level at that point. At that point when you think, I need, I need, I'm ready, I'm ready to go for it, now I'm ready to take on the rest of the world, mm -hmm. good, you can still do that. But why are we doing these things? Yeah. So that we can be happy and joyful and love our lives. So you just make darn sure that you have a structure in, in place, a personal self-care structure mm. in place to support your quality of life so that you wake up in the morning as happy and rested and filled with joy as you possibly can yeah. at the same time as taking it up to the next level oh. because that is why we are doing it and we can forget that. And I'm going to say it for women. It seems like the playing field is not even and we have to work harder mm. and whether or not that's the case, we win the race and we're only in the race against ourselves. We win the race for ourselves mm. when our quality of life rocks. So you make sure you're sleeping well. You make sure you're drinking, hydrating yourself with water like crazy. You make sure that you have quiet time or meditation and eat well and say loving things to yourself. Your relationship with yourself is your number one relationship and please, please remember that. Karen Jacobson, you are a woman of my heart. I am such a big preacher now on 
the wellness side of business. Mm-hmm. I've gone through a burnout and I was a health and fitness fanatic as well as building an incredible empire. But if I could burn out, <laughs> people that don't take their health and fitness into account. So um, that is that message is so spot on. And this is why I actually asked this final question, which you're going to resonate with 100,000%, which is what is the one thing that you do on a regular basis that makes you, Karen Jacobson, the best happiest version of yourself something that pulls you you walk away from your computer you know when you switch off your phone and it's time to realign and get you that highest vibration that highest happiest version of you what would it be I've got more than one but if you make me choose one it's I meditate twice a day for 20 minutes so Ah. 20 minutes first thing in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon every single day I haven't missed a day of meditation since July of 2011. I do this daily. I keep that promise to myself. I don't like to think about how I would be without it. <laughs> it is absolutely vital to me. And then in addition, it's songwriting. I write I, I write and perform regularly. Yeah. How, what, where does that download come from? Is it for an event, an experience? Do you hear a like a tune, where do you get your inspiration from? How do you write? Anywhere and everywhere, and it just pops in. The melody, the lyric will just pop into my head. I don't know how that happens, but it happens to me, and I write write it down. I write songs, I perform them. I, I, you know, I belong to a songwriting club, so I can be writing a song once a week. You know, I really, my songwriting practice is my, wow. is my pure me joy time. Oh. It's been an incredible moment in time interviewing you and having you on the show. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Annette. For sharing your genius. Um, it's just been it's just been great and we can't wait to keep following you. And um, yeah, hopefully you'll whatever social media one we've followed you on, you're Those out there. Rockets. <laughs> Can I sing a few lines of a song that I think oh, is appropriate? I wanted to ask you if you wanted to sing. Yes. Well, I know we just lost the incredible Helen Reddy and who wrote I Am Woman and I wrote a song called Strong Woman, which I used to say was the I Am Woman of the 90s all those years ago. So I'm just going to sing a little bit of that. A strong woman is what I see and hear. A strong woman will soon be standing here and you know that a strong woman is what I aspire to find. But she will only be strong if she's allowed to shine. Yes, she will only be strong if she's allowed to shine. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Herpreneur Show. I hope you received the inspirational idea, thought, or message that you're meant to hear today. If you love the show, it means a bunch to me sending me a message on Facebook or on iTunes to rate and review the show and subscribe so you're the first to know when the next show's released. Until then, make sure you do something that fills up your level of happiness, something that lifts your vibration so high that you're the happiest person that you know. I'm out. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.